Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Rachel Hutchinson joins us now, a research analyst at FairVote. FairVote.org is where you find out about what we're about to talk about. Rachel, welcome to WGN. Thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time. Hi, John. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I have said to friends that if ever there was a case for ranked choice voting, the Chicago mayoral race this year would be it. Would you agree? You are completely right. The crowded field in tomorrow's mayoral election means we're almost certainly headed to a runoff election. Votes are split between the nine candidates, a lot from the same ideological blocks. And polling is showing that the candidates advancing are probably going to do so with just around 20 percent of the vote. This means that most people who voted actually are not going to see their favorite candidate on the ballot on the runoff. People are forced to vote strategically and settle for casting their ballot for one of the candidates they think has the best shot rather than for their honest favorite. Uh, For example, I just read a piece from the Chicago Magazine by an author who said that he really wanted to vote for Sophia King, but he feels like that would be a wasted vote because she's not a high poller. So ranked choice voting is a faster, cheaper, better alternative to runoff, and it allows us to elect a winner at the election where turnout is naturally the highest and the most diverse. Was that Eric Zorn that you were reading in Chicago Magazine? Yes, that's right. Zorn told us that he voted for, uh, he wanted to vote for Sophia King. Instead, I think he voted for Chewy Garcia because he thought Chewy had a better chance of beating um, Paul Vallis, and he doesn't want Paul Vallis to win. So even though Chewy isn't his guy, he thought, I'll vote for Chewy to block Paul, even though I want Sophia. Too bad for Sophia, right? Exactly. And that's just the problem that ranked choice voting aims to solve. So instead of just picking one candidate based on an assessment of who we think is going to win and who is going to sort of split votes from someone we don't want to win, you get to rank your candidates in order of preference. And if your candidate is a poorer performer, you can designate a backup choice. And these choices are made to make sure that somebody emerges with a majority. It works like an instant runoff election. Other cities and states use ranked choice voting, right? Exactly. It's actually grown from just 10 cities in 2016 to over 60 cities, counties, and states today. That includes Maine and Alaska statewide, New York City, Minneapolis, San Francisco, and most recently, Evanston as well. Hmm. Um, So how many people do you rank? Like, say there's nine people on the ballot. Do you only rank the top three? Do you rank all nine? How does that work? Yeah, it depends. So some... Jurisdictions let you rank as many as you want, and then some have what's called a ranking limit where maybe you can only rank three or five, which serves to sort of keep the ballot a little bit more clean and easy to manage. Regardless, though, in where we've seen ranked choice voting implemented, 71% of people choose to use multiple rankings, and 73% of ballots rank a winning candidate in their top three. So it's really shown to be something that people buy into and something that is electing consensus winners. But you said 73% will give you your top three. Uh, Give us your top three. Do you have advice? What's the best way to distill that? Because, um, well, I don't know. What's your thought about that? Yeah, 
the best advice is really to rank candidates in your honest order of preference because your vote is only ever going to count towards your favorite candidate that is still viable and in the race. So it's really nice. There's no strategy behind it. You don't have to do this internal assessment of who has a chance, who can I, you know, help sabotage, that sort of thing. So it's really your best strategy in a ranked choice election is just to vote your honest preference. And that's it. But 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 say in Chicago, if we had nine candidates on the ballot for mayor, should we ask people to rank all nine or just give us their top three, you know, and then forget the other six? Gotcha. Yeah. So the best way is just to do however many or few you want. So you can certainly just rank your top three. The more candidates that you rank in a ranked choice election, the more likely the chances that you're going to have a say between whoever the top candidates end up being. So it's in your interest to rank as many as you want. Uh, but regardless, if you rank a few, at least you're still going to have a likely chance that your vote is going to be more impactful than it would in a typical sort of single choice race. I see. So so typically a city or state, whatever, would give you a chance to rank all of the candidates, but people might choose just to do the top three because they don't have an opinion about the others. Is that it? Totally. Yeah. A lot of people will not have opinions between you know, alternate candidates, they might just say, this is my first and this is my second. I don't really like or care about any of the others. And that's totally fine. And that expresses a preference in and of itself. New York City does this? Yeah. So New York City used it for the first time in 2021 in the Democratic mayoral primary. Their 95% of voters said it was easy their very first time. 77% said they wanted to use it again. And over 80% had a say in the contest that ended up being the top two. So it really is a good example of another municipality that has used ranked choice to condense a runoff system. And it also elected the first majority female city council there, as well as a two-thirds person of color council. So it's really a great success story in New York that hopefully Chicago could be the next to follow. Uh, Can you talk about what happened in Alaska in the midterm? Alaska just used ranked choice for the first time statewide. They use sort of a different variation in which they use a top four nonpartisan primary and then ranked choice voting to select a winner out of that primary. And that sort of system really serves to give voters more choice in the general election. 85% of voters in that election said it was simple and not, and really voters were presented with a plethora of choice, a lot more competition before. And we saw candidates from across the aisle get elected, which is really a testament to Alaska's diverse ideologically and streak for independent politics. Did that hurt Sarah Palin then? Not necessarily. Sarah Palin just happened to not be the most supported candidate in that race. She came in second. It, Mary Peltola, the candidate who ended up winning, was shown to collect sort of a large coalition of not only strong first choice supporters, but deep, broad choices of voters who thought maybe she's a good second choice. And a lot of people who voted for the other Republican in the race ranked her second, and that's why she won. So it shows that ranked choice doesn't really favor any sort of party or candidate, just the person who's able to attract the widest coalition of voters, stick to the issues and run a positive run campaign. Yeah, if you're a yes and candidate, you have a better chance than winning if you're a yes but candidate. So don't fight everybody on everything. Find a way to, even if you disagree with your opponents, don't burn bridges, 
build a coalition, people would say, well, I really don't think you're the best candidate, but you're not bad. You're like my second or third choice. That's the kind of candidate that can win in a ranked choice system, right? Exactly. And that would be so well served in Chicago, where we know that this mayoral election has been a particularly contentious and negative campaign. Personally, all over my social media, I'm seeing just constant attack ads. And that's because candidates don't have to compete for broad support. They just have to edge out their biggest competitors enough to make it to the runoff. So ranked choice gives, gives candidates that better incentive. If I'm a candidate, a vote initially cast for me, or sorry, another candidate couldn't end up counting towards me if I can convince enough people that I'm a good second or third choice. So they have incentive to find common ground, keep it positive and issue oriented. Back to the New York example, we had two candidates in that Democratic mayoral primary, Andrew Ying and Catherine Garcia, cross endorse one, one another and campaign together. So it's certainly a rarity in today's politics and ranked choice helps make that happen. We're talking to Rachel Hutchinson, who is a research analyst at Fair Vote. But don't we have something like that in Chicago in that if you don't get 50 percent plus one vote, then we do have a runoff. So we have a hybrid of it, right? Yes, but ranked choice, I would say it's an instant runoff. So therefore, it's a faster, cheaper, better alternative to runoffs. Runoffs tend to have a high drop-off rate in turnout. In federal primaries, it's about 40%. They also tend to be really expensive, both for the city and for the candidates. In 2020, for example, the Georgia runoff candidate spent about $500 million on negative attack ads. In 2013, New York City spent $13 million to hold a runoff election for public advocates. So ranked choice election helps us get rid of that costly, contentious runoff and elect a winner at the election where turnout is naturally the highest, naturally the most diverse. And Evanston, San Francisco, Minneapolis, they've all used this same model to condense from a general runoff system to just one single instant runoff election. Plus, thinking of Eric Zorn again, even with this sort of runoff that we have in Illinois, in Chicago anyway, um, you still got people voting defensively, not voting their choice because mm, Sophia King isn't in the top three. And so they can't vote for Sophia King because they got to keep somebody else from winning. And then they vote for who they think is the number two. But therein ends their opportunity. What happened? In, but in California, you can have two people in the top of a statewide ticket of the same party. Right. I'm thinking about maybe um, a, I think of a primary or general election. But isn't there a situation in California where maybe the two candidates for governor would both be Democrat or the two candidates for Senate would both be Democrats? Yeah, so California has this reform called Top Two, where instead of having a Republican and a Democratic primary, they just have an open primary in which the top two candidates, regardless, move on to the general election. It's a good system in that people have to appeal to a wider group of voters, both at the primary and the general election. But the problem with having a runoff to top two is sometimes candidates get squeezed out because people were voting strategically and they're not super representative of the general electorate. So ranked choice is a good alternative because it makes sure that whether we're sending candidates to a runoff or we're eliminating a runoff, it makes sure that the candidates who are there are really genuinely supported by an honest majority of people. Let me pause here. I'll come back and I'll ask you one more question, and that is this. So if I think what you're talking about makes sense, then how do we enact that in Illinois or Chicago? Uh, Rachel, um, somebody asked this question just before you answer my question before the break, and that was, what do we do about this? Is it easier or harder for voters that vote early via a paper ballot? 
compared to traditional voters that use an electronic machine. Just briefly walk us through what it would be like if we had ranked choice voting, either in person or, you know, in the mail or in person. Sure. So your ballot looks pretty much the same, whether you're voting by mail, in person, electronically, on paper, but you have the candidates listed and you designate your first, second, third choice, so on, on the ballot in a grid-style ballot. And if your favorite candidate performs poorly, you can designate a backup choice. This is a good thing for early voters because sometimes what happens is a candidate might drop out before the race, and then if you voted for that candidate, your vote essentially, you could say it was wasted or it didn't count. So this makes sure that if you voted for somebody who was a low poller or dropped out, that your vote can then count towards your next oh, yeah. choice who is still in the race. Right. Boy, that's such an issue in Chicago because people have been voting for a while. The swings in this thing have been remarkable. I see a poll today that shows Brandon Johnson is now number four and Lori Lightfoot is number two. Those positions were reversed a week ago, if any of it is true, right? I mean, the only thing that matters is what we find out tomorrow. But the polling, for what it's worth, has been all over the map. So if we want to rank choice voting in Chicago for the next mayoral race or statewide, what do we do? How does that happen? Yeah, so things come about a few different ways. A lot of times, ranked choice voting gets passed through a ballot measure ordinance. Sometimes the city council can pass it itself. Sometimes the city council uh, puts it to an ordinance for the voters to vote on it. That's what happened when Evanston, Illinois, just adopted it. So there are a lot of good local grassroots groups really working towards it, Fair Vote Illinois, Reform from Illinois, so and also the majority of mayoral candidates have actually said they support ranked choice. So I would just say to anyone listening, keep an eye out for it, support the effort as it ensues, and let your aldermen know that you're in favor of it. It's, a, it's, a, it's different. Instead of voting for one person and then most votes wins, you're going to be asked to rank the candidates. Who's your fifth favorite? Who's your fourth? All the way up to your number one. So 630 says, why not make it simple? Most votes wins. Last comment from you, Rachel. Why is that a bad idea or a good idea? Yeah, so everywhere it is used, voters like and understand ranked choice voting. Again, in New York, 95% of voters said it was easy their first time. In Alaska, 85% of voters said they found it simple their first ever time using it. In Utah, where they use it for a ton of municipal elections, 88% reported feeling very satisfied or satisfied. So what the actual evidence says is that people like it, they find it simple, and they're buying into it. Nice to talk to you, Rachel. Keep us posted on any news on this front, and uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Thank you for having me, John. Rachel Hutchinson, research analyst at Fair Vote.